You're listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast. That's AKA Murph. And that's AP. And this is the podcast where we talk about cycling just for the fun of it. With tales from all over the nation, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Happy New Year! Well, Happy New Year, AP. 2024 is here. And uh, along with all kinds of cool things, Ragbri L.I. is coming our way. That's right. And of course, we're going to be throwing a party to celebrate Ragbri 51 and to reveal the best kept secret in Iowa, the Ragbri 51 route. Yes. So, okay, when I see the logo, Ragbri L. I L one. I don't know how you mm-hmm. say that. So do you just say Ragbri fifty one, or do you actually say the Roman numerals? I say Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you do not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's L I because it's a Roman numeral, so it's L and actually the letter I. Okay. So L I. Yeah. Okay. But I will use use fifty one and L I interchangeably because they mean the same thing. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's going to be an amazing year. I'm already predicting it. Um, I follow somebody on social media that when she does her intentions for the new year, she writes Mm -hmm. them as if they've already happened. Mm, So she's like, you know, this year I had a great year. I learned how to play the guitar and it was awesome and or whatever she was talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I don't really do New Year's resolutions, but I I may just start, you know, promoting things as if they've already happened. So you have to manifest. Yeah. Ragbri 51 is, was, and will always be amazing. Oh, okay. Great attitude. Love that. (laughs) And okay. So as you know, I don't really have a non-biking season because, you know, in the wintertime I'm on a fat bike or my gravel bike. Um, But for many, like you said, you know, we're going to find out the route in a matter of weeks and finding out the route kind of kickstarts the excitement for bike season for many, many people. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of us in the RAGBRAI office, we have been abuzz with activity ever since we came back from the holiday break. Ah, yeah. And just getting ready, everything prepared. Um, I just bought a couple of accessories for our Just Go Bike podcast booth at the expo and like a couple of things for the party. I mean, we are preparing, I'm packing, I'm searching through things, checking my list twice. I feel like Santa Claus getting ready for Christmas because (laughs) I'm like I'm over here with my little like pencil checking things off the list but as we mentioned before back to the main topic Ragbri Round Announcement Party is January 27th and it's going to be a jam-packed day that's what we're doing so much planning even now uh, 25 days ahead of time or whatever it may be when you listen to this episode weeks ahead of time Um, so we're we're just so excited and we're just all sites are set on January 27th. Yes, for sure. And along with the route announcement, we've mentioned it before, the Iowa Bike Expo is happening before the route announcement party. And that's an all-day event, free and full of bike-focused vendors. Yeah, that's right. It's a fun day. It's the same day as the route announcement, just right before, um, in the same building, the Iowa Event Center. And there will be, like I kind of mentioned, there's going to be a Just Go Bike podcast booth. I'll be there. Will you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I will be there. I mean, I wouldn't miss it for the world. So yeah. we're so going to be there. If you are in the Midwest or, I don't know, maybe you'll fly into Iowa for the day, uh, make sure that that's on your schedule as you roam around all the bike vendors to come to the Just Go Bike booth. 
yeah, so we'll just be there. We'll be having fun. If we're not there, we're roaming the expo trying to get some interviews for the podcast. So um, come back, check back again. We'll be there throughout the day on and off. Um, so what else is going on this month? Okay, so we've talked about the big stuff, the important stuff, but there is quite a bit of stuff going on between then and now, um, especially for you. Yeah, I am heading down to Mexico in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited to be in warm weather and to go to places I haven't been before. But I'm going on a guided tour with Bragg. Yeah, uh, Bragg. And that's the bike ride in Georgia, for those of you who may not know, right? Yes. In addition to, so Bragg stands for Bike Ride Across Georgia. And in addition to that bike ride, they also offer tours um, to various places. And Mm. I am beyond excited to see Mexico by bicycle. I'm going to officially start a petition to call this ride Brim Bike Ride in Mexico. <laughs> I think officially it's called Bragg International. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, but Brim sounds kind of fun, too. I'm going to have to talk to Franklin about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Franklin Johnson, he's the executive director. And we've had a couple episodes with him on. And I think yeah. I've talked about the Bragg Ride because you and I want to do it if it ever falls on a week different from the Rag Bry Inspection Ride. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be on this Mexico trip. So I'm sure we'll be sending you some uh, fun selfies, Andrea. Oof, I can't wait. Uh, I will live vicariously through you while I am riding my bike trainer. <laughs> and if anyone's listening and has free time, I do believe there are still spots open. So get, oh. get out your computer and Google Bragg or Bragg Mexico or Bragg International. Um, I think there are some still there are still some spots available. Oh, exciting. Um, yeah, so while you're on your fantastic vacation, I'm going to be working on my 200 mile winter challenge which i have completed 100 miles in december a little bit over that and then now i'm working on january so i'll be spinning the miles away in the bedroom (laughs) so well in theory you are right on track if you did 100 miles you know we're supposed to do 200 miles by the end of january so you're right on Mm -hmm. track I can get, believe it or not, I can stick to a schedule. So <laughs> I, I did, I did it, you know, nothing, riding inside is never like riding outside, but, um, you know, I was just talking to my boyfriend Cliff about this, where I actually feel a lot better for having done these extra miles, even though they're indoors, even though it kind of stinks to do in my life outside of biking, I feel a lot better for having done that exercise. So it's Good. been, it's paid off already. Good. You know, something fun, you know, you said that biking inside isn't always as glamorous as biking outside. But Mm -hmm. at the time of this recording, I'm about even on my outside miles and my inside miles. And they both have their downfalls, especially living here in (laughs) Iowa, like, you know, bundling up to go for a short ride, whether it's on my fat bike or gravel bike, like the time it takes to get bundled up to feel warm. Um, it's a lot easier just to put on your, you know, throw on your spandex and jump on the indoor trainer. That's true. That's true. Um, but there's something special about being so bundled up outside that you feel invincible sort of, I know you're not, and I know you need to be careful in the winter weather, but like, you just feel like, I don't know, you've kind of got away with something when you're warm (laughs) outside in the wintertime. So I do, I do love that. Once you finally get it all together. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Once I'm out there, it's a blast. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about today's episode, though. Like, I love chatting with you. I love going through all this stuff. But let's what are we going to talk about in the episode today? Okay, we got a great episode to kick off 2024. On the show today is Daniel Troya. 
And uh, if for those of you that listen to the Morphology podcast, you can go way back to episode 95 and hear about mm. his first interview that I had with him. But he does a bunch of bike touring and he's also okay. a filmmaker. So when I first interviewed him, he had released his first film, which was called Two Wheels to Freedom. And I think I feel like you and I talked about it way back when. But this documented his tour from Rome to Amsterdam. Yeah, what an achievement. I mean, what a cool ride. Oh, and the scenery was spectacular. So um, that's available for anybody to watch at this point. But his latest film is called We Are All in This Together. And it's the focus of our interview today, but he does another bike tour, but this one is across the United States, and he decides to do it without any money, so he's relying on the kindness of strangers, and I got the chance to watch uh, the film yesterday, and it is really like a heartwarming film. It's Of course, it's about Mm. biking, but it's also Mm -hmm. just literally, like I said, about the kindness of strangers. I mean, I have so many questions, like... How did he get enough food to eat? What was he thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, what were the heartwarming story, stories? I can't wait to watch. Yeah. And, and listen to this episode. I'll give you one word to help you figure out how he eats. Dumpster. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Now I can't wait. This is so exciting. <laughs> I mean, so interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. And I happen to know that the film will be streaming on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and Google Play starting on January 12th of this year. Um, but before any of that drops, you get to hear about it first here on the Just Go Bike Podcast. Yes. So, all right. Well, here's my interview with Daniel. Well, I would like to welcome back Daniel Troya. Hey, Daniel. Hey, happy to be back on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a couple of years. I looked back and it was episode 95 of the Murphology podcast that you came on and uh, told some of your story. And I'm really, really excited to have you back and kind of update us. Thank you. Yeah, it's a huge pleasure. And before we started the podcast, you and I were reminiscing about just um, some of the conversations we've had, yeah. the bike touring, and so it's really nice to be back on the podcast and to hear your voice, too. Yeah, yeah, and we've both been on some pretty epic adventures since we last talked, so um, I'm excited to get into it, and and you're on because you have some big news to share, but before we get into that, will you remind the listeners uh, maybe, I guess, where you live now and what the cycling culture is maybe like? Yeah, I'm in um, Monterey, California, and <clears throat> cycling culture is great here. We're, we're super fortunate to have a beautiful bike path that goes uh, along the ocean. And so I'm on that bike path pretty often. Um, and uh, yeah, I just cruise on that. And you don't have to worry about cars or anything. And so yeah, it does get a little windy. But other than that, it's, it's, it's a great spot to ride. It's uh, pretty much in the middle of uh, central California along the coast. Oh, okay, okay. I was just biking in Florida down in the Keys Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's so beautiful because you see water on both sides, you know, one side's the Gulf and one's the ocean and the palm trees and the sunshine. But man, that wind was like brutal. So I don't know if it's like that all the time, but uh, it certainly was in December. Yeah. Yeah. The wind, I mean, I think most cyclists would agree. I'd rather ride in pretty much any other conditions, but the, the but the, but the wind. Right. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. 
Well, let's get into, I know you've been on some adventures since we last talked, like I mentioned earlier, but I want to specifically talk about your newest film that's coming out, and it's called We Are All In This Together, and I was very lucky to be able to uh, fil- to watch the film the other day, so I want to thank you for that sneak peek, um, mm-hmm. and I think that was actually the second time I've seen it, because I think I yeah. got to watch it when you very first had it complete, so yeah. um, this is not your first film, correct? Yeah, this is my, my second film, yeah. And remind us what your first film was. Yeah, the first film was called uh, Two Wheels to Freedom. It's on YouTube, and that one is about riding my bike across Europe. And you and, were in, uh, like, Rome... Amsterdam, like you were way beautiful scenery type. Yeah, it places. started in Rome and um, actually ended in Amsterdam, and it went through Switzerland and Austria oh, and wow. Liechtenstein, Germany. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, um, yeah. for sure, people can go on YouTube and watch that film. But now let's talk about we are all in this together. Sounds it- good. Yeah, this a uh, long time coming. Um, I made it. Uh, I released it two weeks, well, I finished the film two weeks before COVID, and then obviously COVID shut, shut everything down, and I kind of just, I held onto the film for a year and a half and mm. couldn't really do anything with it because all the film festivals were closed, et cetera, and I'd say um, late 2021, I started submitting it into film festivals, and uh, yeah, slowly it started building, and I'm really excited that I finally got to the point to where more people can see it now. Mm-hmm. And tell the listeners where they can watch it. Yeah, so it's going to be available on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and Google Play. And that's starting January 12th, so So really soon. So January 12th of 2024. So if listeners are listening to this before that date, set your calendar. And then, of course, if you're listening after that date, get on one of those... um, platforms and watch this film so before we get into like I want to know a little bit about how you lived through this adventure but tell the listeners just like a brief overview of what this film is about yeah so basically this film is about finding human connection during divisive times in America and for this movie I rode my bicycle across America with no food no money and I documented it with my hidden camera glasses, with a drone, and with a GoPro. And so basically, I wanted to make a film that showed people coming together. I wanted to show compassion, love, kindness. And um, I chose to ride my bike across the country because I felt like there's no better way to get to know the country than riding a bike across it. Mm-hmm. And in, in prior bike tours, I really... I really learned that and that's what inspired the film was going on these 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 bike tours and you're out in the communities you're talking to the people you're getting to know them and uh, the, the special thing about being on a bike is especially a bike tour people are curious about your story mm-hmm. right so a lot of people will just come up to you and start talking so it's such a great way to get to know people who are different than you I would stop in front of grocery stores with a sign that said biking across country ran out of food, anything helps. Nice. And I had my hidden camera glasses on because I wanted to capture the real, genuine interactions from people without them knowing in the moment that I was making a documentary, right? And then afterwards, I would tell them I was making a documentary. But 
if I was fortunate to receive help, I would ask people, I'd say, hey, do you have a story about when somebody helped you and you really needed it? And then people were sharing these stories about adversity that they'd faced in their lives, right? And um, and super yeah. heartfelt stories, like, you know, here you are interacting with somebody outside of a grocery store. They're, you know, they might be giving you food or money, and then like fast forward thirty seconds later, and they're telling you something like really heartfelt. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that. I felt so fortunate to to be in these vulnerable situations with these people, and I think what it was is I I started to notice that um, the people would face the most adversity in the in the lives they were the ones that were the most often to give and mm. to kind of to stop and to talk because they'd been through similar experiences. Right. And so, yeah, it was very, very beautiful experience. And, and again, um, because I had my bike with all my bags and stuff, people were curious about where I was coming from. So there was a lot of opportunity to meet all types of people while doing this. Yeah. You, you talked to, I think it might've been those guys you were playing uh, catch with Mm-hmm. When you said some, you know, they said something like, where are you heading to? And you're like, oh, New York City. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, <laughs> people yeah. who don't, you know, think of the bicycle as a mode of transportation across the United States. They were just blown away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that moment, Kathy, because um, that was a beautiful. Ex- I was riding through Wheeling, West Virginia, and it was definitely um, an area of the country I'd never been through. And what was beautiful is. We they grew up in a certain neighborhood. I grew up in a certain neighborhood that were totally different, but we bonded, you know, and we we bonded over a game of uh, catch, you know, throwing the football around. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's an example of what's so beautiful about bike touring is you go through these areas of the country that you're not you don't normally go through, and then you meet someone who's who's much different than you. But then you, it shows that um, you can bond still, which is great. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm assuming every person that you met was different in some way, but overall, how would you describe the people you interact, interacted with? Were they, for the most part, positive or negative or like, do you have an overall experience? Yeah, I think an overall experience, I mean, honestly, it, I think that most people, they want to be good and they want to do good, if that makes sense, right? Sure. And that's just like, there was... There was many moments early on where I, I, I realized like um, just how many people really do want to make a difference. And just being in that position to where holding a sign and panhandling for food, like I really started to see it. And it was, um, it was actually really, it touched my heart to see that a lot of people do care. And little kids, yeah. like little kids came up to you. Yeah. Like those were, those moments I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. I I mean, like, it's like, what? How is this eight-year-old yeah. little girl walking up to you? Like, And, and her reasoning was just uh, crazy. Hopefully I'm not giving away too much of the film. No, I mean, no, everybody needs great. to watch yeah. it. That's great. Yeah, she, that, um, yeah she's, uh, every time I see that scene in the movie, I almost tear up because she's so just pure. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, very innocent. And, and, her, and her reasoning for why she wanted to help was was... Um, Yeah, it was so beautiful. It's time for a quick training tip. Today's focus is on your shoulders. Do you ever find yourself riding along and notice your shoulders have somehow hunched up to the point they're almost touching your ears? I have. 
I know I have to consciously remind myself to drop my shoulders when I'm out on a long ride. Leaning too far forward or hunching your shoulders when cycling puts undue strain on your neck, your upper back, and of course your shoulders, and can cause pain and stiffness. Keeping your shoulders relaxed and down, your elbows slightly bent, and your hands lightly gripping those handlebars can help improve your posture. Finding the right balance between staying relaxed but also maintaining control of your bike is crucial. So what can you do while cycling to help keep those shoulders down? Well, maybe try doing a few shoulder shrugs. It can really loosen things up. Take a couple deep breaths. Relax your grip on the handlebars. And if you're biking with a friend, have that friend remind you to drop your shoulders. I have a couple friends, when we go biking, one of us will literally say the word shoulders and everyone in the group will take a second to check their posture. Okay, let's get back to the show, but first, take a deep breath and drop those shoulders. I want to talk about like what gear you brought along, but since we're on the topic, I think it's important to for you to explain. I mean, I've seen the film, so I know, but how did you get enough food to eat? Like you literally started this trip with no food and no money, but somehow you made it all the way to New York City and you didn't go hungry or maybe you did go hungry. Yeah. So basically before I left, I I read a book um, on dumpster diving by an environmental activist named Rob Greenfield. And I had, so I had an idea there was going to be a lot of food that was getting thrown away behind dumpsters. Mm. But then once I started the trip, I was shocked at how how much food was being thrown away. Mm. So, I mean, that was always a backup option was going um, behind um, grocery stores and, and just grabbing my snacks for the day out of the dumpsters. And usually it was a lot of like fresh fruit, strawberries, apples, bananas, bagels, things like that. And, um, and also, you know, I always like to acknowledge my sign was unique and I thought it was interesting. So I was attracting more attention from people by saying biking across country. Mm. And so there actually wasn't a day where I went hungry. And again, um, very fortunate that that was the case because of my unique circumstances as far as biking across the country and the dumpster diving. So, yeah. And describe what dumpster diving means. So basically, yeah, I would go behind grocery stores and um, to the dumpsters and I would see all the food that's getting thrown away. So a lot of these grocery stores, um, they have expiration dates, but the food is totally good for like well beyond the expiration dates, but they throw away the food anyways. In my opinion, I think that a lot of grocery stores are afraid they're going to get sued or something if they keep them on the shelves. So they throw it away. So, I mean, uh, I would just hang out behind... um, behind the grocery stores and then just really quickly just grab my snacks and uh yeah I never got sick or anything and just there I mean there was many many times where there was so much food there's I mean I would load my bags and I'd have and there'd be still be plenty of food in the dumpster wow wow and most of that food was still like prepackaged, so it's not like you were you know sharing food with raccoons right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah, and that was was so shocking about it. I couldn't believe. Um, I mean, sometimes there'd be pasta, like packaged pasta, sitting there. Like, man, this that's not going bad forever. Right. You know? I. But yeah, that's it's hard to. I mean, I understand. You know, you, when you go to a grocery store, right? There's expiration dates on everything, and it's hard to think 
steps further when that stuff expires where it goes exactly exactly that's well said yeah yeah wow okay so you said you know sometimes you were dumpster diving grabbing your snacks putting them in your bags so will you kind of tell the Mm -hmm. listeners what your gear setup was like yeah, definitely. I was I was riding the old trusty Surly long haul trucker. Nice. Um, love that bike. It's the only bike I've um, had for the past uh, ten years. Um, yeah, I had the Ortlieb um, bags. I had four of them: two in the front, two in the back. Um, I strapped my my tent and my sleeping bag on the back of my rack. Um, my tent was a um, just an REI mm-hmm. um, passage two was what it was and then the uh the tent or the, the sleeping bag was like a north face sleeping bag um i brought some cooking gear you know some uh little stove pot put my food up um yeah i had my my drone to capture landscape shots my gopro for the i put on my chest for that first person view mm-hmm. they have my camera glasses and uh yeah just the and then you know a couple pairs of clothes things like that and that was pretty much it so you were definitely, you had shelter if you needed it for like camping yeah. each night. Um, but it sounds like most of the weight on your bike was going to be all your electronics, right? Exactly. That's very well said. Yeah. And, and to charge the stuff, what I would do is I would go into libraries every couple of days and I would charge like my, my cameras that way. Oh, yeah. I learned that yeah. trick just this past year. How um, when you're on, you know, especially when it's really hot out, like you find the local yeah. library, you can charge your devices and cool off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's sweet. It's it's definitely, yeah, it works out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Well, give us some highlights of the trip. Like, I know, you know, it probably took yeah. you months, but do you have some, like, things that happen that you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to share this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, just the absolute beauty of the country, man. I mean, just uh, the joy of being on a bicycle and experiencing it that way. I mean, uh, pretty much within the first week, you know, I was crossing the Sierra Nevada's. You know, and it's taking me up to like, you know, 9,000 feet and climbing up into the snow. Mm. And then right after that, you know, I crossed it in Nevada and I crossed the Great Basin Desert. You know, the, um, uh, they call it the loneliest road in America. And that was definitely one of the highlights. I've never just that was a place where I felt like I was the last person on Earth. Really? I mean, just like just these huge basins, you know, and there was like 18 different mountain passes, like over 400 miles that you would cross and just, yeah, just unbelievable and camping out in the desert out there and hearing the coyotes and just, it was so awesome out there. And it's called Um, the loneliest road in America. Yeah. The loneliest road in America. Is it because there's just like, no, there's no like gas stations, grocery stores, houses, anything. Yeah. There was, um, the route that I took, there was only four towns within 400 miles. Wow. Right. And so you're going on these really long stretches. And I mean, the longest stretch I've ever, I ever did on bike touring happened on that stretch. I, um, it was, um, it was three mountain passes and 84 miles with no services in the desert. And that was, uh, that was when I woke up early and I was nervous, but excited, but nervous too, because I just was concerned about just not having any kind of uh, shade and just being in the sun that mm-hmm. long um but yeah that was that was just so epic out there and and i mean crossing into utah and going through the like the, the sandstone canyons was great crossing the rockies in colorado and i will say i mean crossing kansas we've all heard about kansas as far as the wind and the flat but I, me personally i loved kansas 
And what did you um, love about it? I loved the simple towns. It felt like you're you're riding back in the fifties. Mm. Uh, I I felt like the people there were the most genuine, kind people I've ever met in the United States. I loved that a lot of these towns, especially if you're taking adventure cycling routes, you can just camp in the city parks. You can use the swimming pools. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and especially after the Rockies, it was flat. So Kansas, Kansas was great. Yeah. Um, I hit the Katy trail in Missouri, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, on the way back, cause I ended up spending seven months on the road. I mean, got to talk about Montana and crossing the Rockies in Montana, just such extreme mountain passes and just awesome, awesome scenery out there. So you got all the way to New York city and then you came back. Yeah, so that was, you know, the original plan was to stop in New York City, but I, I just had this feeling like I needed to keep going. Wow. And at that point, I was still feeling pretty good physically. Um, and yeah, and I, what I think what it is now is I needed to go through more struggles to have a better understanding of human connection, oh, if that makes sense. Sure. Because as time went on, um, I was receiving less help because of my beard was growing um, bigger and like, also, the energy I was putting out there, um, the stress of the lifestyle that I was living as far as trying to find a safe place to sleep and then trying to get enough food for the day, trying to find a place to bathe, um, standing on the corner all day or, you know, in front of grocery stores for hours, like that was starting to wear on me. And so I was putting out a much different energy. And uh, so I was receiving less help. But, you know, the people that did help towards the end, those were probably the most um influential people mm -hmm. um during my trip and just gave me a new perspective on humanity and so that's why i think i need to go through those more, more challenging times it is interesting um i've done touring you know i i also rode across america um but that feeling of not knowing where you're gonna sleep i mean you know yeah. i know it's um you know the day is very simple right you get on your bike you ride your bike you eat and then you go to bed but there's so much more to it and not knowing where you're sleeping. And like you said, you know, not knowing where you're going to be bathing. And also, since your mission was also filmmaking, you probably had to worry about, you know, I've got to plug in my devices somewhere. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's the, yeah, the devices and just, yeah, not having all these other stresses. And even when you're on a, like you said, I mean, and by the way, congratulations. The last time we spoke, you hadn't done your bike tour across America. So oh, congratulations. cool. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I uh, definitely had resources, though. So I was way different than your adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. And it's still a great accomplishment. I mean, yeah. I think biking across the country, it's hard. It's oh, hard. for yeah. sure. I mean, it, right. And I, I had yeah. the same experiences where people would see, you know, people us on bikes in the middle of nowhere and also be curious and want to know like what are you guys doing and so to be able to say yeah we're just biking you know all the way to we were going to florida but yep. um same sort of uh excitement from strangers about that yeah yeah definitely people and it's really cool because uh when, when, you're, when you're on a bike tour and you're talking to people and you say i'm going cross country or even if it's not cross country if it's just you're going maybe a couple days you can see how people light up and they and they get so curious and they're like, wait, you can do that? Yeah. You can ride for like you can ride across country? Yeah. And, and you know, and you kind of see, start to see the wheels turning in their head, like they're getting inspired and they start to think about things that they want to do. 
I'm so um, interested in, you know, you spoke about the energy level and your physical, how you changed, yeah. you know, from, you know, being that clean shaven, you know, young guy to kind of a, a, a probably, I, I don't know, but probably a little bit more rough looking because you've yeah. been on the road for so many months yeah. and having the beard, like, um, I can see where people would maybe view you differently, but I'm more curious about how you felt internally because you yeah. have been just like maybe a little bit beaten down every time, you know, the grocery store says you can't stand in front of our building and try yeah. and get stuff. Yep. So do you want to speak about that? Yeah. Thank you for bringing it up. Cause it was one of the most important lessons I learned. I mean, um, as far as, first of all, physically, I mean, I had never put my body through anything like that before. And if I wasn't making a documentary, I would have quit three months earlier, you know, because ah, yeah. so, I ended up spending seven months, but I was being stubborn. And I just kept saying, like, I want to have a, you know, a full like cycle all the way to New York and then back. And so, um, yeah, physically, I was just feeling so beat up. Um, my right hip, it just kept locking up for the last six weeks. And it was very strange. Um, mm. what, what I think happened was because, I had, I had three nights in a row in Montana where it was 13 degrees and I didn't have any, I didn't have winter gear with me because I wasn't planning on being on the road that long. Oh, wow. And so those three nights, it took something out of me physically that I, I felt like I couldn't get back the rest of the trip. Um, I just felt super weak after that. And cause it was a shock to my body, you know, did you say 13 degrees? Yeah, it was 13 degrees. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And so I was literally wearing all, every piece of clothing that I had before I go to bed at night. And I was honestly, I was nervous because I was afraid I was going to get hypothermia. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so physically I was feeling pretty beat up. And then just the mental aspect of it, I, I can't stress enough because there was a couple of times I was sleeping in some rough areas and some, some really scary things happened and I felt traumatized in some ways. So I was really paranoid um about where i was sleeping um as as the trip went on and then um yeah just because the energy i was putting out there like normally i'm pretty outgoing and charismatic and i think i welcome like people's yeah i welcome i'm welcoming if that makes sense but sure, the energy yeah. i was putting out there was pushing people away and it wasn't it was very strange because i felt like oh when i needed the help the most i was pushing people away without even without even knowing about it. Um, mm. But people, we, we feel each other's energy. We really do. And, uh, but you know, that led to one of the most impactful interactions that I've ever had, which was with a person who was, he was living on the streets and I didn't even have my sign out, you know, towards the end of, the, of, of this experience. And he came up to me and he could feel the energy and he know he knew that I, I needed help. And so he, um, he was concerned about me. So he went and got me a bag of groceries and he gave me a hug and it was, it was so impactful and I'm so grateful. His name was Gary. That was in the North Bend, Oregon. And, I, and it just, again, kind of goes into uh, the way that I look at humanity and there's a lot of people who really do care out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's, there's so many avenues to this film because you, um, you know, physical, right. You rode your bike mm -hmm. a whole lot of miles, but also like the mental for yourself and then experiencing the support of other people. Like there's just so many different levels to this film. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that because there is, I think um, what I wanted to do was create, you know, an, an adventure film, which it is as far as, you know, half the film is about, you know, crossing the desert and the Rocky mountains and just having like those kind of um, 
challenges ahead of you. But the other half is I wanted to have a message as well, you know, especially um, right now with all the divisiveness that we're experiencing um, in the country. And I, um, so yeah, it was nice to combine the adventure with human connection and a message overall. Sure. Did you experience a bunch of mishaps? I mean, I'm I'm sure there was uh, things that happened with your bike, but, um, and I know of one thing in the film, I won't, I won't, uh, like spoil it or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is the first thing that comes to mind was I, I only had five flat tires over seven months and I couldn't believe that. no way. Couldn't believe it because the first time I went across the country, I had 10 flat tower tires in three months. And this time I had half that and you know, seven. So yeah. Um, just some of the people that I interacted with were just hilarious that I, I just wish I could have gotten on film, you know, but like the day, the day to day stuff is what really makes bike touring. And when I'd be at a gas station or something, just grabbing some water and just having funny interactions, especially in like the rural places, mm. um, there's some real characters like around our country that I loved, you know, um, going to those small towns. And uh, yeah, I think honestly, some of the, the most strange thing uh, that, the thing that sounds the most is just like the weird places I slept. I mean, um, and I, I guess I should acknowledge, I, I, I tried to be as respectful as possible, never went onto anybody's land or anything, but like, mm-hmm. I, you know, there was a something that wasn't in the film because I, I was, there was a forest fire in Colorado and I was trying to get out of there as quick as possible. Uh, I didn't want to sleep with all the smoke out in the Rockies, you oh, know, sure. so I ended up sleeping in this really weird, like this football equipment shed behind this uh, high school. And it was summertime, so I thought it was gonna be fine, right? So I put I put the football pad like there was pads on the ground. And I, I slept on top of those and <laughs> to get out of the smoke. And when I woke up the next morning, I mean, I figured it was summer, so there wouldn't be anybody out there. So I I walk out of the football shed with all with my with my bike and all my gear, and this football team is having practice early morning practice <laughs> oh, right no. there, and they all just like stopped and and like were staring at me and thinking like who is this guy and like why is he coming out of this shit that is <laughs> so, yeah, awesome that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah and you slept like um i'm assuming in parks in i know you in the film you're actually put up your tent in like farm areas and restrooms yeah. and like tell us about some of those yeah so um Again, I tried to be as respectful as possible not to go on anybody's land. Um, I mean, there were a couple times if I was out, like, in Kansas, I slept in, like, cornfields. Um, I slept uh, when I was in Idaho. I mean, it was, like, a week of just, like, 40, like, I don't know if it's 40, but really strong winds mm. at nighttime. And I couldn't sleep, and I was feeling so, like, banged up. And, like, just mentally, I knew, like, this is not good. I'm feel, I feel like I'm going crazy without the sleep. So I came across a, a restroom and a truck stop. And I slept on the floor of the restroom and I got a really good night's sleep and it was so worth it. And, um, and nobody came in at all during the night. No, I put my, uh, I put my bike against the door just just to alert me if somebody did, like it would knock my bike over. But thankfully, um, it was rural, you know, Idaho and, um, nobody, nobody, nobody came in there. Um, there was a day early on, I was in uh, Sacramento and I woke up in the middle of the night. I was sleeping in this dugout and there were cockroaches all over my tent and it was just so like gross to see and i was like i can't fall back asleep so i ended up sleeping on the roof of this high school again um i'm not proud of that moment but i just i just i just needed to get off the ground yeah 
Um, so that was the place I, you know, a, a place that I went often was where the dugouts in like, um, baseball fields. Oh. I would just set up my tent in there because it would keep me from the rain. And there was usually like a water source as far as a hose. And, um, yeah, I never left any trash. I always arrived late at night and then I would leave early in the morning and just try to be as respectful as possible. Sure. So did you have like an average amount of miles you did each day? Um, you know, yeah, in, in the beginning, I'd say on the way to New York, I was probably doing like 50 to 60. Okay. Um, when I bike tour, I don't do a lot of miles when I bu- per day when I bike tour because I'm just so curious about like the towns I'm riding through and I like to talk to people or I say, oh my gosh, look at this. Like there's a cave over there. Let's go explore this cave for like two hours. Yeah, but, you know, oh just, yeah. I, I feel like it brings out the inner child within me, you know? So um, yeah, I'm, and on the way back, I mean, after the Montana situation with the cold, I was maybe riding 35 miles a day, and that was a struggle. Mm. Yeah. Interesting how the weather or, you know, whatever happened in that situation can affect you long term. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it was actually, I was concerned just because I was, it was very obvious, like, I, you know, how fatigued I was uh, getting just so quickly. Mm -hmm. Do you you have any, like, um, big takeaways from this entire experience? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the the thing that stands out probably the most to me was um, that, you know, there's so many things that are out of our control in the world, especially right now, you know, and it can feel like hopeless. But um, the thing that we can control is how we treat each other. Mm, yeah. And and that's what the, the people on the that I met on the road, like, they, they taught me that, like, that every day there's an opportunity to, to help somebody. And it's not just with, like, not just about, um, you know, giving someone food or money, but also just like it could be your coworker, it can be your neighbor, it could be someone at the grocery store, just kind of letting people know that they're seen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's that's what's really special is we all have that opportunity and that can happen right now. We could we could all make that change right now and we can make it we could make uh, there's an expression, but as uh, you know, another world is possible. Mm. and another world is possible just based on the way that we treat each other. And you experience that like every single day. And I, you know, I think about the beginning of your film to the end and how different you looked and your energy level. Yeah. Like you probably could feel it firsthand, whether you were feeling like you were being seen. Yeah, that's very well said, and, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I had no idea would happen, and I, and I feel like that's something that will never leave now as far as just being out there for seven months and then being vulnerable and needing help. And uh, now when I'm out in public, I just feel like I can pick up on that energy, kind of like the person who I mentioned who was living on the streets. He picked up on my energy I was putting out, yeah. you know, and now I think that I just – that. I'm able to do that now because of going through those experiences. Huh. Did you feel uh, similar when you were in other countries? I know it was probably a completely different experience, but um, I'm guessing you were in more rural areas, like when you were in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when I was riding through those areas, I wouldn't say I felt vulnerable or anything in Europe, but I I think that there was definitely an people were intrigued by like who I was in my story. So again, yeah, just with my bike and going to these areas where they're not used to seeing people like on bike tours, it's so beautiful because there's this curiosity there. And so you really get a special opportunity 
to connect with people that you wouldn't normally connect with if you were like driving through that town or something. You've been mm-hmm. very um, like lucky to be able to go to all these places via bicycle because completely different world from airplane or car. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I just again, just personally speaking, but bike touring has been the best thing for my life ever because it's it's, it's not just about like riding a bike. It's about all of the experiences that happen when you're on the bike. Right. And you learn yeah. so much about yourself. You learn about other people you learn you're so capable i mean it's just endless like the benefits of being on a bike tour and again it doesn't have to be this huge extreme bike tour it could be a two-day trip you know oh for sure for sure yeah well tell us again you said you that you are working on a new project um can you highlight that yeah yeah so i spent this past summer riding my bike across europe again and um yeah i'm making a film right now it's called the child within and this movie is about finding the thing that makes you feel like a child again. And for mm. me, that's 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 riding my bike. But um, but it doesn't have to be about cycling. There's a lot of things that will make us feel like a child again. And I'm so excited about this film because yeah, it's it's a uh, it's just a really lighthearted, fun uh, film about riding my bike through Europe. And um, I rode through Italy and Switzerland, Germany, and the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, I went through some extremely beautiful places and had some really funny interactions with people. And this film is, I'd say it's a combination of my first film, Two Wheels to Freedom, and we're all in this together as far as it's uh, funny, lighthearted, but it also has some human connection aspect. It has uh, stealth camping. It has dumpster diving. It has drone footage. It has <laughs> hitchhiking. I mean, it has like all of that. And so I'm so excited. It'll be uh, released in the spring on YouTube. Oh, of 2024? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. So I'll definitely be sure to let you know when it comes out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And back to um, the the one that's premiering very soon, which is called We Are All In This Together. Will you tell the listeners one more time where they can view it and when? Absolutely, yeah. And um, so it's going to be available on um, Apple TV, on Amazon Prime, and Google Play. And on January 12th, it's coming out. And one thing, if you don't mind, which I would love to ask is if you do watch the film, I would, it would mean like so much to me if you could just rate it and review it and just whatever you think is fair. But I'm just, um, that would be super helpful because I'm trying to get my film out there. I'm the only person that's been involved in this project for the entire time. So I um, obviously the filming and editing and then like the marketing and stuff. So rating and reviewing it could be super helpful. And, um, also, feel free. I mean, I'm super happy to hear from anybody who does see it. So mm-hmm. you're welcome to um, to reach out to me, you know, and I'm sure we can put the contact info in the, in the podcast link. But I'd love yeah, to hear from sure. you. Yeah, for sure. And ranking and reviewing um, just takes a second. So that's that's the easy step. And then, of course, reaching out to Daniel is an, another easy step. Yeah, I love it. Well, Daniel, before we go, do you have any uh, bike adventures on your horizon? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I'm. it's looking like I'll probably be, be going across Europe again this summer. I mean, because uh, anytime I go to work on the, I work on a farm in the Swiss Alps, which you can see in my first film, Two Wheels to Freedom on YouTube. And uh, I keep getting invited back by the family. And so what I do is I'll fly into a different area of Europe and then I'll usually spend six weeks riding to Switzerland right and then i'll stay in switzerland for six weeks working the farm and then um and then i'll hit the road again for a couple more weeks so wow. that's uh 
yeah, for this summer, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, definitely. Well, if, the, if a summer ever comes up that you are not going to Europe, don't forget about uh, biking across Iowa. Absolutely. Ragbri. I mean, you got to come do it sometime. I would love to. You know, it's, I hear so many amazing things about Ragbri. <laughs> Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast to talk about your films and uh, hopefully everyone has on their calendar to watch or go to YouTube and watch your other film right now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, the YouTube, it's I'm, my uh, name is just The Traveling Dude. That's the channel. The Traveling <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I also want to just acknowledge you, Kathy. I, I think it's so great. To, that just what you do as far as having different guests on and you're spread spreading the love and knowledge about bike touring and it's that's what it's all about you know like expanding this community you know and oh, so i really sure. admire what you're doing well thank you very much it's it's uh nice to have you on uh, actually twice to be able to share your story feel honored yeah well thank you daniel and uh we look forward to seeing your next film i really appreciate it thank you listeners that is it for this week we both want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the just go bike podcast and if you'd like to contact us with a comment about the podcast or maybe you have a topic in mind you can reach us at just go bike podcast at gmail.com or you can also follow us on social media at just go bike on facebook twitter and instagram Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, especially if you're a fan. And if you have any extra time, pop on over to the Morphology Podcast for more bike adventure interviews. All right, that's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Until then, just go bike! bike.